You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if demons wrote letters? Have you been idly sitting by waiting for the next wonderful installment in our year of Lewis? Well, if that is true, then you are in the right place. Welcome back to Systematic Geekology. I am one of your hosts. I am Joe, and I am joined by a fellow that I have had the pleasure of recording a lot of Lewis-related content with Mm -hmm. this year. And so it's apropos for us to be back at it again. What's up, Josh? What's up? What's up? You know, what's weird is a lot of the me and you Lewis stuff was over on Patreon. So I feel like the main feed are like, what do you mean you've done a lot of a lot of Lewis with Josh? Like, yeah, y'all only heard it like once or twice. Should have been on that Patreon feed. I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's been cool because I, I love I love talking to you guys, but I also love talking to talking to the people that that support us. Oh, yeah, such a great group. But today we are talking about um Probably one of the first. I'm. Tr- I was trying to think before we went live if this was the first or not of of Lewis's works that um, I was exposed to even before Narnia. Um, hmm. Yeah, I I was older when I read Narnia. It was after I got saved, and so and this was this was I read this uh, in my early twenties. So we're talking about the one and only Screw Tape Letters. Man, yeah, I. Uh... I, the first thing I read of Lewis's was the Narnia. And as I've said on here before, when I first read it, it really wasn't my cup of tea. I was just kind of like, yeah, I didn't love reading at the time. By the time I loved reading, Narnia felt a little younger for me. And then I read Voyage of the Dawn Treader and changed things for me. But I digress. We're not talking about Narnia this time. Uh, then I read Mere Christianity. And I was like, man, this is Lewis guy's actually pretty good. Yeah, but then it? I read Screwtape Letters and was like, oh, my God. The C.S. Lewis guy might be the greatest author of all time. <laughs> Just phenomenal stuff. Like for me, this book was the one that originally done me in as a Lewis fan. All right. So I've got I've got some spicy takes <clears throat> here at the top. Um, it wouldn't be me if we didn't, if we didn't kick this party off in, in high gear. Um, yeah. I could not stand. I could not stand Lewis at first. When I first read his stuff, <laughs> especially this, I could I was not a fan. I feel like I felt about screw tape letters initially. Mind you, this is pre-Jesus. This is pre-me finding the wonder that is audiobooks. Seriously, for real and for true guys. If you can <laughs> if you can afford it and and if you are like me and you have a hard time reading black text on a white page then you need to look into audiobooks. It changed my entire world. Um, but I, I remember being at a men's retreat in my early 20s, and the whole theme of the weekend was going through screw tape and talking about how the enemy, you know, attacks us and and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember reading through this and I'm like, this, I feel like this is how Narnia fans actually think about Narnia that this is just cheesy. This is just really (laughs) super corny. And I'm like, this is written from somebody that has no idea what the human experience is like in in actuality. Guys, I understand. I understand. I was talking about Lewis when I said that. I get what I'm saying. But, you know, (laughs) I was was a little ill-informed at the time. And I, and so while there were interesting points 
especially when it when when the book calls out some some American practices, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. which he didn't set out to do ex- expressly. But in that modern context, I read that as American practices. It, you know, I, I I just it did not it totally did not hit with me. I picked it back up after I read Narnia. And I'm like, okay, so I obviously have a different set of eyes for Lewis's writing. Let me go ahead and reread this book. And mm-hmm. yes, for those of you keeping score at home, when I talk about audiobooks, I also refer to it as li- as as reading because I do believe that that is another form of reading. But I digress. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I went I endeavored back into this and I thoughtfully went through it and the level of oh this is actual like this this has flavors of real life to it that this book contains it it blew my socks off like it was just it was like it was an it was like my first time reading it in all actuality like it wasn't my first time but it was the first time that i actually processed through what this book has to say Mm-hmm. And and in the years since, as I've navigated this life as as a Christian and navigated life within the the large sea church, it really mm-hmm. is interesting how much this gets bang on the banana. There's so much, so much yeah. to say. I um I find it interesting that your first take is just like, oh, this guy's so out of touch reality, and I feel as though. Ironically, we've had the opposite experience with this because it wasn't till I got more outside of the church that I'm able to look at this and go, okay, I can see where someone would think that. As someone who grew up in the church and had always kind of been somewhat Christian or Christian adjacent, every chapter of this to me, it was almost as though it was speaking directly to me of, oh, that that's what's been happening. Oh, that's what's been going on in my head this whole time. Right. And yeah, so it's just funny because my initial thing was, oh man, he's calling me out. And then <laughs> later on, I was able to look at it and go, okay, I could see where if you're outside of the church, this might seem as like this isn't reality at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just very different cultures that exist out there. So you're aware if you exist in church culture and grown up in it, this is a really challenging read for a completely different set of reasons than it would be if you did not grow up in the church. And on that note, if you did grow up in the church, or if you didn't grow up in the church, rather, and and you're reading this, it it allows for a set of eyes on reality that makes you feel heard in a way and is mm-hmm. able to present things authentically in a way that challenges some of the more standard stereotypical practices and mm-hmm. goes as far as to acknowledge the realities of some of the challenges of living in this life that sometimes you don't always hear talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it was so weird, especially because again, I, now I'm thinking of it from both perspectives and it's just it's throwing me off because so much of this book isn't uh, here's how we get this guy to commit mass genocide or something. You know, the book is, yeah, all we need is 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 little incremental steps. Why not just get them to lie because it's, you know, helpful to somebody else? Or why not just get them to do that? And you're like, wait a minute. Or even even at one point, the one of the ones that really blew my mind the most was, yeah, don't discourage praying. When he prays, make sure his focus is, you know, either on himself or the object of the cross or on something else. But let him pray. That doesn't matter. 
and you know, I, I, from the outside point, you're like, what? From inside, you're like, oh, wait a minute. How many times yeah. have I have I been praying and it's been about me? And like, oh, oh, crap. Yep. <laughs> oh, crap. That's me. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that one up in particular, because that was one of them that, st- that stood out to me that you know, it, pr- prayer was always this this elusive thing when I when I was in my my church adjacent years. Um, you know, in my mind, prayer was always this thing that was saved for God's elect, that they're the ones that had the 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 red line number for for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to hear and now to understand what those what the differences are that he's actually hitting on and what he's actually getting at with that. That was really, really impactful. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you, especially when you consider my specific track and seeing the, the, the exposure that I did have to the church was the, the rules and regs and systematized of it all. To see this book call that out mm-hmm. was, was very illuminating. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's not even the only place where they call that out. And no. it's so weird, too, because... Um, now, just just looking at this, the subtle things is what I was talking about, how a lot of this is more, which for those who don't know, this book is an older demon writing to his nephew. Here's how you better tempt this ordinary Englishman, you know, to go to hell. The guy gets saved pretty early on, and they're basically like, how do we get this Christian to not be a real Christian so that he can come down to hell and we can have a snack? And their whole goal is to eat him for whatever reason. Take that as you will. Um <laughs> One of the things I thought was interesting, especially because of how often we, unfortunately, a lot of the church does a lot of this, drinking's the worst thing ever, murdering people's bad, the world out there wants to murder people and tell them that you can be whatever gender you want. And, you know, every message is that. And I've always wondered, even when I was young, of who are they talking to? Do they think these people are coming to church, listening to them and are going to be changed their mind from that? No, they're just, you know, doing a hooray us, bad guys are bad rant. Anyway, heard what I said. Um, <laughs> one of the things that this that I thought was crazy is he says, "Yeah, you don't need to try and get him to murder." This was early on. Said, you don't need to try to get your man to murder. He's talking to the demon. Says if you really want to get him, cards will do the trick. And it's just little things. Little things will do the trick. You just got to get him addicted. You got to get him distracted. You got to get his focus off of what's important. Which is, I'll, I'll I dare I say, a dangerous thing for the Christian geek podcast to talk about, right? I mean, how easy is it for comic books will do the trick, right? I mean, sci-fi will do the trick. It's so easy to get distracted and make the lesser things important, especially these things that we really enjoy that we get really passionate about. Right, right, exactly. And that's one of the things that I I think it was, you know, we we by by the by the grace of God in a lot of respects, we did not we haven't really dealt with that. I mean, maybe some mm-hmm. of us have on an individual level and haven't really talked about it, but as a, as a whole, I, I don't think that that's been a struggle for us, but the realities that that could happen were illuminated when geek devotions were on, not because <laughs> they fell into the trap, but because they put a lot of safeguards in place. So that way they don't. And that yeah. was really uh, interesting to me because, you know, it didn't, it hadn't dawned on me. That that we are very susceptible to that to that kind of thing as a topic driven podcast that, you know, we are also Christians, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, let let me ask you, I feel like it's easy now for us to look and be like, oh, I can see how cards do the trick, you know, poker, gambling, drinking, whatever. If you this is funny, this is one of those things you have to do when you're talking about screw tape. Almost you have to play the devil's advocate. 
if you were to be writing to a younger demon, let's put you in screw tape's chair, mm-hmm. how would comic books do someone in? Just as an example. Um, I I would encourage the individual to I, I would encourage to get the individual to put themselves in the hero's shoes and make themselves mm. the protagonist and make it about them and have mm. it become something that um they can envision themselves as the most important person in and play on the ego of it all or play on the importance of it all and make comic books and following comic books and watching the movies and all of that kind of stuff take up enough time during the week. You know, you, mm-hmm. we have these things now, podcasts, if this isn't a modern sense, you know, have him d- indulge in all of this media and all of that to the point where he doesn't have time for God. Yeah. Another thing I could see screw tape saying, cause this kind of goes in with some of the other things he says is as you're kind of, which he does talk about this, Point out the flaws that the other people at church, you know, point out the little things so that these people seem less thing. I would say also, I could see Screwtip saying, show him the community of other people who like comics and why they are so much better to be around than the church community. Right. Which, let me tell you guys, sometimes would not be hard to do. And man, wouldn't it be tempting to, you know, maybe I don't want to be around the church people. Maybe I don't want to be with the community here. Maybe I want to be with this community of here that's actually more about minorities and more about caring about people and the things that I enjoy share better value sometimes. Man, that would be a temptation. <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah. And it gets to so one of the things you said gets to one of the other things I really liked. He, he told his, Screwtape told his nephew, let the patient, which is what they called the human, let the patient see how humble he is. Let him notice it. And then he'll get prideful of how humble he is and tell other people that they need to be more humble. And it was just one of those, man, that's a that's an interesting take. Well, I mean, so so I, I think about something like that. And I, I had um, I remember conversations that I had with the the guy that that raised me in the faith. Um mm-hmm. You know, and, and and we talk we talk about how it's ne- in a, in an age of social media, you don't stop to take the picture, you don't stop to post it on Facebook, you mm-hmm. just you just do right. And yeah. pulling the curtain back, we are recording this uh, right after Halloween, and so the last couple of days on on social media, I happen to be you know as as a as a soon to be official pastor, but a shepherd for quite a while. And, you know, in, in ministry and all of that, I've got a lot of pastors and church leaders on my friends list and, um, poking my head out to see even beyond that to like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. The sheer amount of grandstanding, about their fall festivals and about how they <laughs> saved the youth from the evils of Halloween and and all of that uh, is 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 voluminous. Let me put it that way. It's it's very very voluminous. And yeah, we we live in a time where that is only increasing as technology increases. That was always a thing. Doing it for selfish motives has always been a thing. Jesus literally mm-hmm. spoke about that in, on the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. 
you know, so so it's not new, but we have these new toys that, yeah, I can I can jump in front of a microphone. I just jumped in front of a microphone earlier today to record <laughs> 40 minutes of unpacking the Sermon on the Mount and unpacking the book of Matthew. There's tons of good things that can come that can come from this technology. But this technology also allows for the same sort of thing where it's more about what the person's doing and what the individual is doing. And, and it's, it's works like this that really fascinate me because I know for a lot of my contemporaries and a lot of other people, they, I know a lot of people struggle with the idea of suffering and the problem mm -hmm. of evil and the problem mm -hmm. of sin nature and all of that kind of stuff. And that's hard for some people to wrap their mind around and all of that. For me, I don't really struggle with a lot of that because I am well aware and firmly acquainted with the idea that humans have a choice to do evil on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, I, I'm, I'm well aware of humans capacity <laughs> for evil. Yeah. So to me, that whole free will thing, that just makes sense. Yeah. And so to me, when you address these kinds of, these kinds of things, like what this book, like what this book suggests and brings forward, it's helpful conversation because if we stop to realize that there's nothing new under the sun, mm -hmm. we realize that humans are always going to human. That's never going to stop being a thing. And if we realize that these same beats are present for time and memoriam for humans back in Lewis's day, before Lewis's day, for humans that were walking at the time that the events were actually playing out that the Bible mm -hmm. was written about. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I hate to take it away from such a serious note, but on a side note... <laughs> You're mentioning some of the, the other Halloween fall festival things. And I just have to say, I've almost always thought, and this is funny because I grew up at the church and I still have almost always thought that some of these things they call their not Halloween celebrations. It seemed like someone trolled them by giving them that name. You know what I mean? Like trunk or treat. I feel like someone was like, why don't you call it that? Then it's not the same as trick or treat. And they just believed it. <laughs> you know, like when people show the uh, Obi-Wan as Jesus photos, I'm like, I really feel like the church might be getting trolled somehow in, in all this. That's but anyway, I digress. Uh, man, you were talking about some of these themes stand for time and memoriam. And one of the ones, or a couple of the ones that really stood out, they talk about the highs and lows and how it's easy on the high or the low. When you're really high, it's easy to praise God. When you're really low, it's, you know, seeking to God. You know, they call God the enemy in this because they're demons. The in-between times, you know, they say that's when we really can get them. You don't want them to get too high and you don't want them to get too low. And with that, he even warned, don't encourage the war because war can be good for the enemy, according to the demons. Because I said, you know, war sometimes actually makes people come together more, makes them rely on God more. Right. And uh, I'm sorry, I follow some of the stuff that's happened in Ukraine and the church in Ukraine. And um, that's still true. And mind you, I want to say I can't speak as that the same way that Lewis did. I've never been in war. I've never been on the forefront. Lewis was in World War II. You know what I mean? Like he right. was part of this thing and he still looks at it and went, no, actually, uh, this can be a good thing for the Christians. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> there is a reality to a common to having a common a common goal, a shared goal. Mm -hmm. um, as somebody 
that works a lot with other countries. As somebody who works with people from parts of the world that aren't as either technologically advanced or have some kind of oppressive government um, uh, existence or presence is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. There's this underlying idea that you, the idea is to help people come together, not to teach them your way of coming together. And if you can do that, and if you've ever done that, then there is a version of this that rings so mm-hmm. brilliantly and vibrantly alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's this idea that 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 sometimes and we've se- we, again we've seen this since biblical times. So this is not modern. This is nothing there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. But there's a reality to extenuating circumstance forcing people to come together in a far less dramatic sense. Mm-hmm. Josh, you and I lived this. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> so so that reality is is absolutely vibrant and one of the one of the things that I will always 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 love about Lewis, okay? Mm-hmm. Um I don't care what anybody says, Tolkien and Lewis both wrote all so so many references to God. It's it, their works are pregnant with with references with references to God. Yeah. Like it just anybody who says that Lord of the Rings is devoid of it n- needs to study a bit about Tolkien. Um, and that's coming from somebody <laughs> who's not necessarily a Tolkien fan. Um, but there's there's this ability that Lewis has that he taps into in a way that his contemporaries don't. Just by style, the types of stories he wrote, how he decided to write, it's not a matter of skill per se. It's just how he decided to write. Yeah. He employs this idea of reflections of truth. And and dating back to the first one of these Lewis works that we recorded about was the first time that I mentioned this idea of reflections of truth. And it's something that I've said over and over and over again, because for those of you that don't know, you haven't been trekking with the year of Lewis. Uh, I I dare say I've been on every single episode. I don't know <laughs> that for sure, um, but but I'm pretty sure I've been on every single episode. I want to say probably. Yeah, I there's a very. I can't say for sure either. <laughs> yeah, um, but and and that's that's also true here because while there's a little bit of witty repartee, while there's a, a a bit of a bit of you know sarcasm and and a story being told and and characters that that kind of that that still feel authentic in a way mm-hmm. that if you were to if you were be were to be writing or reading something that was more in line with a Lord of the Rings, more story first rather than principle first, he still had characters in there that you cared about and he still told the story that you could follow and that you could get invested in. But also, even though he was writing from the point of view of the quote unquote bad guy. Yeah. He wrote God in a way that, that shined through all of that. And he was still able to display principles of God, even though that wasn't the main avenue in which he was he took to tell his story yeah for example this is just a fun one um 
the, the demon, writing to the other demon, was talking about how despicable the enemy is. The enemy, again, God in this book. Because he doesn't actually care about the numbers. He's not about how many people he can get up there. He wants a real relationship. He actually loves these creatures. Which is funny, because it implies that the demons, the bad guys, are all about the numbers, whereas God is about the relationship. As someone who lives in the modern church and has been part of some of the leadership discussions in modern churches, I can tell you which one I hear them talk about more if we're talking about numbers versus relationships, and uh, it's frightening. But yeah, it speaks about God in in such a powerful way that God is actually the shepherd who will go after the one sheep because he wants a relationship which each with each individual person. I tend to shy away from the personal savior conversations because, you know, I I think that our religion is a communal religion, but our God is one who loves each individual in these communities. Right. There's a big difference between personal savior and personal relationship. I won't hang on that, but if you – if if you happen to be one of the people listening to this that is that is curious to know what I'm getting at, um, hit me up. This is literally what I preach about on <laughs> a very very regular basis. Uh, we are firmly in my wheelhouse. So if you want to talk about that, hit me up. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's it, there. There's such a level of and it's it's funny. I I stepped into the year of Lewis. <laughs> Being a little bit more of a first and foremost Narnia advocate, because there were conversations happening behind the scenes. I'll be honest, guys, we started this and I want to say that Josh and I both were in two very different places as far as how (laughs) we dealt, you know, in, in team settings. But there was a lot of conversation of space trilogy or Narnia. Mm, That's going up soon. (laughs) Fantasy stuff or or um, his more apologetics works. And it was kind of this more linear sort of conversation that would take place a lot of the time of what is the superior uh, Lewis work? Um, we all know that no, we all know that it's Narnia, but the point yep. of the matter <laughs> is uh, the, the point of the matter is is that regardless of of what one of his works, you're reading throughout all of these. There's a reason why when you talk about the greats in, I'll I'll say Christian authorship, but I will also say just literature. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, there's a reason why his name has that level of staying power to it because he wrote just so many things that he was unafraid to allow truth to be uh, reflected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I still like Narnia. It is not, you know, something that I think is really my style, something that I pre- typically is something that I would shy away from. But the writer is so good that it's like, ah, I still still do love it. And this, these are more of the works that I, I am in love with. But as, as Joe and I have talked throughout the year, it's one of those, you, you actually don't, it's not, really not an either or with Lewis. Lewis uses story in his theological works to bring out some of his points. In fact, even has a doctrine of imagination I've talked about before on the show that makes story more powerful. And in his stories, he incorporates theology so that when he does his analogies, they aren't actually contradicting the Bible and are instead pointing to the Bible. So there isn't really an either or with him. And it's just his stuff is so good, especially looking at this. 
and what's funny is he he even talks about how hard it was for him to get in the mindset to do this, how, what a dark place he had to went to. And he wanted to do one from the angel perspective and said that he simply wasn't good enough. And I'm just over here like, man, if Lewis wasn't, then nobody is. But man, I would have I would have loved reading Lewis's counter to this as the angels. Um, and yeah, like you said, like the reflections of truth and the stuff that, that goes throughout time. So much of what he writes in this, I feel like it, it almost seems as though he's looking at our time going, speaking to people who live now, because it's like this, it's odd to me that it would be that relevant in any time but our own because of how relevant it is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, just I'll, I'll lay all cards out on the table. Um, I love this community, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shy away from the authenticity of it all. This, this work is weighty enough that Josh and I were going to record this the first time and I, I couldn't do it. I was not in the right headspace and to tackle the realities of this, you need to be able to, um, have a proper mind about it all because, there are realities as you read through this, as you go through all of this, you have to be aware of what's being said and the realities of the human existence and mm-hmm. being confronted with that when you're already not in a good headspace and you're having a bad mental health day is not really recommended. It's not, it's probably yeah. not a great idea. And so, yeah, but that, that speaks to the magnitude of the work. And yeah, I don't I mean just- to, and and I don't mean to overinflate Lewis. I mean that to say the same thing that I've said about Lewis's works pretty categorically along the way. If if you allow for the breadth of the impact of the source material to be felt, and then you wrap that impact around compelling characters, compelling story, and and good writing, again, there's a reason why Lewis's stuff is considered among the greats. Yeah, I think when you come to this book, you have to have some strong mental fortitude, and you also have to be willing to come to this open, willing to be challenged by it. And uh, let me just say, if you're being honest with yourself, I don't think there's a way you read this and you don't feel a little bit of guilt. You don't feel a little bit of condemnation, a little bit of, man, I need to be better. And speaking of how he he writes to our time now, and this is something, I mean, we kind of mentioned it before, there isn't anything that's truly, you know, the word of God, like the Bible. But when I read some of the stuff, the Narnia books, this book, I would even include space trilogy. There seems to be something where, where God himself might've had a hand on some of what was said here, because it's just of how powerful it is. And Dan suggested that during, during one of the Narnia uh, recordings. And I thought that was a really interesting point to raise. And I would agree. Mm-hmm. And and I would also include the space trilogy because guys, spoilers for that conversation. I walked out of reading the space trilogy that early, earlier this year, a much bigger fan of it than when I, what I started out with. It's, it is honestly a really solid uh, set, set of, set of works. Yeah. I, yeah, that's one of those books that's actually changed who I am as a person on a fundamental level, but we right. will get to that later on this year. I, um, yeah. So so one of the things that he writes about that I think that when I was talking about the stuff that it feels like he's talking to our day today, he talks about how how important it is to install a sense of ownership, that they feel like something is truly theirs. Of course, we know that nothing is actually theirs, demon voice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's talking about um, their own body, make them feel as though their body is their own. 
that sounds so relevant to today, man. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, he's like, how many conversations do we have today of my body, my choice? And, you know, I hate to go there, but, or, you know, I can choose what I want to do with this or how I'm going to do this. And I'm not even trying to pass any condemnation on any particular thing right now. I'm more looking at it as a whole going, yeah, we don't treat things as though they're gods. We don't treat things as though they're our own. We treat everything as though it's ours. This is my land, my house, my body. Yep. You know what I mean? And I would even I would even widen the angle out because it doesn't I, I understand Josh said a phrase that has a, a a specific weight and air to it because you know words mean things and phrases mean <laughs> things in present in in modern context. So in modern context, you say of a, a string of words like my body, my choice, that elicits a specific kind of reaction out of a specific group of people. But it's 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 the concept again. Words mean things. When you say those that that string of uh, that string of words, take a step back and ask yourself, what do you mean when you say that? What are you actually saying when you say that? And then you take that same concept and you put it elsewhere to you know. The, the I have agency over this portion of my body or this portion of my being or or where I live or or the country I'm from or what have you. And you start to widen that angle out more and more to see, well, wait a minute, this isn't a political thing. This mm -hmm. isn't. It, I guess you could argue that it's a sociological thing, but it's not. It, it's an innately human thing because this is examples of human taking agency upon themselves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know what? I can't. Friends, nerds, countrymen. I I pro I promise you, I understand that all of the tap dancing in the world is not gonna is not gonna stop somebody from from being <laughs> offended yeah. by me. You know what? I'll take it. I'm I I've been known to offend uh, offend a person or two a time or two. Okay. But this time, this time I say this because this is offensive to the flesh. These yeah. these are things that are offensive to the, to the human, right? Yeah. And, and 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 devoid of any stance or this or that or direction left right center, I don't care. None of that. All of that is sec is, is secondary to what we're getting at. And, and when you start to talk about that, you're like, well, wait a minute. Because I guarantee, I guarantee there was somebody that heard <laughs> this. It was like, whoa, pump the brakes. Yep. What's happening here? Yep. <laughs> but that's, the, that, that's, an, that's an authentic conversation that has to be had, right? We yep. have to be able to talk about who is Lord. And if we use that phrase, if we say, okay, Christ as king, that there is lordship. Okay, what does that mean? And how far are we allowing that lordship to go? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not making the political statement. I'm not weighing in on whether or not something should be legal or not. What I'm saying is, as a Christian, yeah, I can't look at something and say, that's my baby. I can't look at my wife and say, that's my wife. I can't look at my house and say, that's my house. I don't look at the dogs here and go, that's my dogs. I look at it all and go, those are God's, and how do I steward what is his, you know, what is not mine? And that very concept, that very concept is what, what led to any measure of peace about Isaiah. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you know, you know. Um, yeah. And, and but yeah. so 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 let's you know there's we could we could wax poetically and do and do a, a whole sermon series based up based off of this lord knows enough enough pastors have done that oh, yeah. um you know i i feel i feel a small measure of of challenge accepted in my pastor's heart <laughs> to, to start sermonizing the screw tape letters but we'll save that for another time um uh, one of the things and i love so one of my one of my joys with this show is if i can get a chance to be able to find some little ridiculous aspect of this in in pop culture, right? Whatever the the thing is, one of yeah. my still to this day, one of my absolute favorites that I found was the theology of Space Jam. That I'm not <laughs> sure I could find something to top that. But yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. It's also, yeah. great episode. People should check that out. You should uh, go back in the archives. As the producer, the music that I chose for that was phenomenal. Oh, just phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. It ranks up there with the episode that we did on Sonic when you just spammed the <laughs> ring. Phenomenal. Oh, but that was fun. Um, so, so one of the things that I found in going through the um, going through the wiki for the screw tape letters, a couple <laughs> of things. One, I had no idea that this book had sequels right i didn't and and even so far as i didn't know about for those of you that are familiar i didn't know about uh screw tape proposes a toast yeah but apparently there's a whole line of other (laughs) ones that have been either inspired or or attempted to be the author attempted to write a direct (laughs) sequel of screw tape a couple things with that first i'm going to propose on air right now that the one I'm going to mention, we make that our patron. We've been trying to discuss how are we going to do a patron episode for Screwtape because we've been doing a special Patreon for every C.S. Lewis thing we talked about. Hear me out. Operation Screwtape, The Art of Spiritual War by Andrew Farley. He's not looking at it as individual things. It is Screwtape making war plans and talking more systematically about sin and temptation. Oh, God. I just I've been waiting to see Joe's reaction to that. Um, <laughs> that I don't sounds, imagine it would be sounds, a long episode. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that sounds that sounds fascinating in the worst possible way. Um, you know what? I, yeah, tune in. Tune in if that if that sounds just ridiculous enough to be a whole episode, then tune in patreon.com slash systematic ecology at some point between now and the end of the year of Lewis. That'll be up on <laughs> Patreon. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, Screwtape Proposes a Toast was another one. I'll mention briefly here. I I loved it because Lewis was basically making a commentary of where he thought the education system was going and how people were going to be afraid to say certain things and how everything was going to get really polarized. And um, he was right. So uh, that's it. Do you know anything about Lewis and his upbringing, specifically as it pertains to his educational upbringing and, and just some of the horrific nonsense that yeah. he went through? In his life, if you know even that much about Lewis, that little one-liner that you just gave, I Mm -hmm. am now suddenly fascinated to hear what Lewis has to say about the educational system. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't very long. Your tape proposes a toast isn't long, but it's good. 
Also, I'm going to throw this out here. If I find it, I'm going to put this on our Patreon as well, I think. Or maybe I'll put it on the website. I'll let Joe decide if everyone should have access to this. At some point in my life, I tried to write my own letter that was going to be like the next chapter of Screwtape. Oh, yeah. That's got to go up on the website. It was uh, 100%. That's mind you, mind you, this was at least 12 years ago. Much younger version of me. But it was a um, it was about trying to to uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was ordered. It had something to do with making the church afraid to talk about sexuality kind of stuff. And um, I don't remember exactly what it said. It's been a very long time, but I, I imagine it'll be for me looking back. It would probably be a horror for some of you. It'll probably be at least slightly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that at at Sniff Test, as I was going through this um this list because if you go to if you go to the wiki for the screw tape letters you'll be able to find other literary sequels but you can tell that technology was the big thing in the early 2000s and so there is a whole string of (laughs) books about the screw tape emails and what the wormwood file what (laughs) the devil's inbox what you yeah. said one came out this year what was it uh so there was one that came out this year letters to bentrock a demon's guide to trapping prey the tempters you know, that one doesn't working, sound terrible the tempters are working in a texas prison to keep oh. the inmate on the wide and easy road to their home below mm, something about it being in texas immediately made it less compelling to me <laughs> yeah yeah I'm like eh, i don't know about that okay so 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 we lined up some for patron stuff we talked about some of the extra stuff I, I want to before we get to the wrap up on this one do you have a favorite quote or a favorite line or anything from this book oh man i I'm if you not... need time to look it up i have one yeah go for it okay i uh he's talking about time and how whatever he does he's writing to um wormwood screw tape he said it looks what you need to do don't let him think about the present. Don't let him truly be present. And he writes, this is the quote, nearly all vices are rooted in the future. Gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, inhibition, look ahead. And he kind of explains this as when people, you know, sin is just spoiled goodness. And he says, you know, um, sex was always meant to be a good gift from God between a man and a wife. But if you have someone look ahead and that lust is the sin, not the act looking ahead of man, pleasure, me having pleasure as opposed to doing what God wants, looking ahead to what happens if I steal this, looking ahead, having causing fear of, I don't have enough money is what causes people to steal. You really point out having people afraid of the future is what causes a lot of the sin that happens today. And that was really challenging for me because I, I have a really hard time being present. I have a really easy time constantly trying to plan and think of what's next. And yeah, that was a challenging one for me. So that quote's always stuck with me. Joe, did you find yours? Yeah, no, the the, the recovering addict in me wants to um, fight you over what you just said. Uh, <laughs> because it's true. It is. It's the best it's the best way to get it like it, it's there's there's a lot of reality to it, especially for somebody who is given to um, addiction or has an addictive mm. personality. One hundred percent. The one that stands out to me uh, is it is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things 
out. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. That's there's a so that's, there's that's a reality. Yeah, because at that same token, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying, when it is very hard for people that are struggling with something to be able to see past whatever that thing is. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a vice. Maybe it's an issue. Maybe it's a tragedy. Whatever whatever that something is, it's mm-hmm. very hard for humans to be able to see past it and, or to it and, and to put it into context of what we're talking about when there's things that happen in this life when when the realities of this life become apparent mm. it is very hard to remember that god is good or that god yeah. is active and with us and all of those kinds of things and it's very easy for all of that to become trite and to become just very um nails on a chalkboard because it, it almost feels like you're throwing things out for Band-Aid fixes, but mm. it becomes this thing where you can only really focus on what is directly in front of you rather than the wide angle view of it all. Yeah. And something you, you, you mentioned there of, you know, as an addict and, you know, um, this is one of those books, which is ironic because the church at this point was not very good at dealing with mental health or any of these things. Lewis, on the other hand, somehow managed to get past all that. I don't understand how, but I, um, one of these, this is a book where every time I found someone who loves this book, it's almost always a, as a whatever, this book spoke to me. It's because this book is very personable when you read it and you're really open to the criticism of how you're being tempted, it will become personable. And as someone who has ADHD, you know, as someone who does deal with some mental health stuff, I'm looking at going, man. Yeah, it's it's easy for me to see. I don't have ownership over myself. I can't even control what I'm thinking about one moment to the next. Right. And at the same, on the other side of the coin, this book speaks to the importance of being present because love is in the present. That is hard for someone with ADHD. My mind wants to be everywhere but here. And, you know, I'll challenge you, really examine yourself over the next week. I'm talking to listeners right now, which is something I don't usually do. But examine, are you on your phone a lot? Are you planning ahead a lot? Are you, when you have conversations with somebody, are you 90% of it just reminiscing? How often are you truly present in the moment? It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So real quick before we wrap up, one of the other absolutely ridiculous things that I found <laughs> in, in looking this up is the screw tape Letters has stage adaptations, guys. Oh there yeah, are, I forgot. I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a. It looks like there's a couple of different um, adaptations. The first one being from a Lutheran high school in Chicago in April of 1961. One of the more uh, famous ones is uh, if you are familiar with um, with stage work and things like that, then you may know the name Anthony Lawton. Uh, he did Man. an original adaptation of the screw tape letters um, that's been on stages since uh, 2000. Man. And there's been a bunch afterwards. And on top of it, guys, Marvel Comics put out a <laughs> in 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 uh in partnership with uh publisher Thomas Nelson. Uh they what? produced a comic book adaptation in 1994 of the Screw Tape Letters. What? <laughs> and got guys, I just broke Josh. Um What? So yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, I, I'm looking at the cover right now, and there's no way this isn't the most absurd thing I've ever been about to read. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so I may, so I may, hold up. Also, this is phenomenal. Apparently, Calvin and Hobbes may, ha, ha, did their did their own kind of adaptation what? of Screwtape. Where what world am I living in right now? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so th- just take take time, and I'll and I'll go ahead and and bring it forward here into huh. the uh, into the wrap up. That's my recommendation for this. That just just look into all of that and oh. let that be your activities in your geekdom time this week. Okay, so my recommendation goes really well with that. Uh, you were talking about audiobooks earlier. Yeah, you have to get the dramatized screw tape letters narrated by Joss Ackland. The voice acting and everything is just so like his like it's funny. Like I don't know if he's trying to be funny or not. But man, it's just, you know, the, the little creepy music and the, mm, my wormwood. <laughs> like, yeah, what am I listening to? That's oh, phenomenal. You guys need to listen to it. It, it. It's just funny enough that it makes it easier to listen to without like, I don't know. It makes it easier because it's slightly comical. <laughs> right, right. So with that, we draw this uh, this step in the journey of the year of Lewis to a close. And if you have made it through this episode and you find yourself wanting to check back on all of those references that we made along the way to prior works that we have covered or prior episodes that we have done, you can head on over to systematicgeekology.org and take a look back and jump into the previous episodes uh, covering Narnia and some of Lewis's other works. And if you are curious to get the full breadth of what we have covered and you want the added benefit of being able to help us keep the lights on, you can head on over to patreon.com slash systematicgeekology. There are tons of bonuses tons of goodies and like i said you get the out of benefit of helping us keep doing what we're doing for now i want you guys to remember one very important thing we are all a chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.